Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Look at somebody and tell them Merry Christmas. Would you do that? Come on, tell somebody Merry Christmas. That's what it's all about this week. This morning I want to talk to you a little bit about the origins of uh, Christmas traditions. Um, it's this sermon I have preached it several different times throughout the past, actually three different times in the year 2014, in the year 2015, the year 2017. And it is one of the most popular sermons that I've ever preached. I don't even know why really, but every, every time I turn around, everybody's asking me, are you going to preach that this year? Are you going to preach that this year? And by popular demand, just people just on me all the time to preach it. I'm going to preach it again this year. I don't like doing that. It goes against my grain, but never there's a lot of new people here and we just got to be reminded of this message because it is so vitally important. I don't know if you recognize or not, but there is a war on Christmas. How many recognizes that? Even some of the United States companies will not even allow their employees to say Merry Christmas. They have to say Happy Holidays. As a matter of fact, they say you do that so that you won't offend anybody. Well, it offends me for somebody not to be able to say Merry Christmas. Can I have an amen? The famous Christmas tree. A lot of places not even being called the Christmas tree when you get a box or when you buy it it's called the holiday tree more and more and more the traditions of Christmas is being pushed out of the public place the workforce and even out of our own government did you know right now that we cannot even put a nativity scene in on our national federal grounds a matter of fact even our own government cannot or even will not honor or respect or even recognize Christmas which is our own holiday it is absurd of what's going on within our country. Even the Christian church has even become to believe lives about our Christmas traditions and they've even come to even preach against some of them, calling them paganistic in nature. And it seems that all the other traditions are acceptable and unoffensive unless they have a spiritual principle or a religious theme with it. And if it's got something to do with the Christian church, then they want to come and combat it and they want to fight it and they want to mock it and they want to ridicule it and they want to tear it down. As a pastor, as a Christian, I'm going to be very vocal here today. I am tired of the Christian church bowing down and not standing up for our right to express ourselves in tradition with religious symbolism. I am tired that people can wear anything they want to wear and it's okay, but we can wear something and it's offensive and it's critical and it's all this other kinds of stuff, racial and it's judgmental and all of that kind of stuff. I want to tell you if I want to wear a cross, I ought to be able to wear a cross. Can I have an amen? Is somebody with this pastor here today? We Yes, give the Lord praise. Shout the name of the Lord here. I, I feel the anointing. <clears throat> we all know that Christmas is about Christ, but yet even so, if we're not careful, we will fail to see Christ in some of our Christmas traditions. The enemy has stolen a lot of our Christian traditions from us simply through deceit and false information and some of our views against certain celebrations and practices and social activities and traditions are considered sinful even in the eyes of the American church when in fact there is no scriptural evidence at all to back up their opinions but it's all 
all based upon personal feelings, opinions, and preferences, and or it has become one's belief or mindset by being indoctrinated from a pastor or a church or a friend or spiritual leaders teaching uh, their personal convictions instead of biblical convictions. There is error. The error of all of this is this, that it restricts the church from her freedoms and it puts too many regulations upon a man and it chokes him of his life. Did you know the Christian life are to be one of the most freest, funnest, happiest lives that there is on the face of the earth? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Rejoice evermore. Can I have an amen? We're not to live a life of bondage and enslavement. Jesus called our life to, as abundant life. It's joy unspeakable and it's full of glory. But by most church standards, if you'll look around, the life of a Christian is expressed in boredom with a bunch of do's and don'ts and rules that regulate to where a Christian cannot do anything or associate with anything and it, therefore his life is drained of life and fun. The church has been cheated out of some of the biblical traditions that is enjoyable and important to the total health of man because of false teaching and condemnation. Folks, I'm not only a spiritual object, I'm a physical object, I'm an emotional object, and I need my emotions touched just as much as my spirit to touch. Can I have an amen? There are many things I could preach on that we view as sinful or pagan or fleshly when in fact the Bible is full of believers practicing it and enjoying it. Can I have an amen? Things like music and dancing and celebration and parties and laughter and humor. I believe in humor, amen? I believe that medicine, uh, laughter is good, doeth good like a medicine, amen? We're not talking about ungodliness or drunkenness and things of that. I'm talking about traditions. The same things happen to our Christmas traditions. We've allowed the devil to take away the Christmas traditions from us. The celebration of Christmas, as we know it, begin to be celebrated celebrated around 200 AD. It was a day given to honor the birth of Jesus Christ with a worship service. It was first celebrated anywhere from September all the way to January. To unify the church in this event, it declared by the religious order of that day that December the 25th would be the official day to celebrate it. This was done in 354 AD. It was never intended to be the day that Jesus Christ was actually born but rather a day to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. The word Christmas comes to us from the old English language. It came from two words, Christ and mass. The word mass originated from the meaning to gather. So when people came together or gathered together, they called it a mass. There were festival masses, religious masses, and political masses, and many, many other types of masses. A lot of times when you hear the word mass, your mind goes to the Roman Catholic Church because they have mass. But we have mass too. We're having a mass right here. It's a gathering together to worship Jesus Christ. So we got to understand that. The word Christmas, since it was religious, it came from the church and it literally meant Christ mass. Or in our vocabulary, it means a worship service unto Jesus Christ. It's where we gather to worship his birth and declare him as Lord and Savior of all. That's what Christmas is all about. Can you give the Lord praise that the King of kings and the Lord of lords has come in the flesh? 
Soon other types of traditions traditions would enter into the picture like the infamous Christmas tree. The use of the Christmas tree began in 680 by St. Boniface. He was a German bishop who urged people to bring a tree into their home as a symbol of worship. There, this was nothing more than a symbol. He did not tell us that it would, the tree was to be an object to be worshipped. It was a symbol. It would serve as a symbol just like an altar, just like water baptism, just like communion, just like us wearing a cross or any other religious symbol. He he picked a tree because it represented Jesus' teachings and how he used trees to illustrate object lessons in our lives in Scripture. As a matter of fact, he even called us trees of righteousness by the planning of the Lord, by the prophetic utterance of Isaiah in Isaiah 61 and 3. He likened to us as trees in Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3, when he said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, but nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and his law does he meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither and and whatsoever he shall do shall prosper it was Jesus that said in John 15 verses 1 through 5 I am the vine of the true vine and my father is the husbandman every branch of me that bears not fruit, he taketh it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it might bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you, Jesus said. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same will bring forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. The tree, the Christmas tree, represents Jesus Christ being the vine, and we are the branches. When you look at a Christmas tree, it'll remind you that we're connected, we're rooted into the vine, and that we're a part of the branch and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. St. Boniface said that the tree pointed upward, and it also symbolized life. This tree was to be a fur-bearing tree, a green tree, whose leaves or branches would never die or fall but they would live all year long even during the winter time. This would be a symbol that Jesus is alive even in the most darkest and coldest times of your life that Jesus never sleeps, that he never slumbers, that he never is dormant, but his eye is forever upon his people. He urged that this symbol in their home would serve for two purposes. First of all, it would remind them to worship Jesus every time they saw it. And secondly, it would serve as a testimony to the community that they were Christians. It was actually called the Tannenbaum in Germany. Later, Martin Luther, the father of the Protestant Reformation, told them, well, if you're going to have a tree and you're going to bring it in there, and if that tree is going to represent Christ and you as the branches, and when people walk by and they look in your window and they see it, and then they'll know that you're a Christian home, he said, let's put a little flavor to it. Let's add lights to it. He said that would show the glory of God 
out on the starlit night that the Savior was born and would increase their testimony as people would go by their house and see a lit tree in the window. This would go along with what Jesus said in John 8 and 12. He spoke unto them saying, I am the light of the world and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. He again said in John 9 and 5, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And then referring to the Christian testimony, he said this about us in Matthew 5, 14. Ye are the light of the world, a city that set on a hill that cannot be hid. Later they would begin to add ornaments to this tree, which would represent the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5 and 22, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And every time they looked on that tree and they would see these ornaments, they would be reminded to have a life of fruitfulness to Jesus Christ. When I was a little bitty boy, they would put these ornaments on the tree and my brother had a favorite one and I had a favorite one. We'd always look for it every year as we were little kids. And that one that I looked for was made back in the 1940s and it was really shaped weird, but it had the word peace on it. My brothers had the word joy on it. And the other of the ornaments had things like long-suffering. And some of them had, uh, uh, you know, uh, temperance. And others had the different expressions of the fruit of the Spirit. So every time you looked at that tree, you would see its greenery, that it was alive. You would recognize it as Christ, as the vine, and we are the branches. And we would see the lights, and we would say, we are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And the ornaments would say that we are a people of fruitfulness. We are a people fr- uh, faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. As the years passed, they would then add the star on top of the tree, representing the star of Bethlehem that guided the wise man to where they laid him in a manger. You remember Matthew 2 and 2 where it says, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. The Bible says in Matthew 2 verse 9 and 10, when they departed from the king, lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly joy. The trends would grow and be added as the years would pass. They eventually began to put popcorn strings on the tree that represented Jesus Christ as the bread of life. He was a string of hope to all generations. It was Jesus that said in John 6 and 48, I am the bread of life. In John 6 verse 33 and 35 for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. In John 6 and 51 he said I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread he shall live forever and the bread that I will give is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. And then there was the candy cane. This is a a something that really touches my heart. It was added to the tree years later. The actual candy cane itself was created in the 18th century. It was created because at that time in certain areas of Europe, there was a ban of public displays of Christianity. Christians were oppressed. There could be no Bibles or crosses even owned by Christians. One man found this oppression very disturbing and he wished that he could share the love of Jesus and the joy of Christmas with the rest of the world but he didn't know how to do it and so he began to pray when Christmas came around children didn't even get to see a nativity scene 
or enjoy learning about the truth of the birth of Jesus Christ. So this candy maker prayed to find a way that he could offer local children a Christmas gift that would allow him to communicate the story of Jesus Christ. His prayer led him to the idea of the candy cane. He chose to make the candy cane in the shape of a shepherd's staff, representing Jesus being the great shepherd. And he would quote to them John 10 and 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. As he would present this little candy cane, he would tell them about the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. The candy maker not only made it in the form of a staff, but he also, if you would turn it upside down, it would form the letter J, representing Jesus Christ. The candy maker chose hard candy for the candy cane, which was done to remind children that Jesus was our rock and that he was dependable and that he was strong and there was no power like him. It was the psalmist that declared in Psalms 18 and 2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God and my strength in whom shall I trust? My buckler, my horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so so shall I be saved from my enemies. The psalmist also said in Psalms 18 and 31 for who is our God except the Lord or who is our rock except our God. The candy maker would also remind us through the red and white stripes of the candy cane that God is a God of purity and he saved us by the shedding of his blood. The red stripes would remind us of the 39 stripes that was laid upon Jesus' back at Calvary for the healing and the salvation of our lives. The white stripes would reveal to us the holiness of Christ and his purity. This was twofold. Not only was there no sin or guile found in Jesus' mouth, the Bible even states that he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin, but it also represented that his blood was a pure blood without spot or without blemish. His blood was not polluted by sin. This is why that Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the traditions of your father, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish or without spot. The candy cane maker decided also to add peppermint, which was similar to hyssop, which was used for sacrifice and purification in the Old Testament. And this would remind us of the sacrifice that Jesus actually made for us. And it also was reminding us of the fact of the spices that were brought by the wise men when they came to Jesus. And it also was significant that Jesus adds flavor to every life. How many knows that Jesus adds flavor to your life? Can I have an amen? The candy cane was designed to be broken when eaten, which would also serve as a reminder that when Jesus was crucified, his body was broken for us. Last but not least, the candy cane was also made to be given away, which represents the free gift of God, Jesus Christ, his son, that he gave for our salvation. The candy cane was added to the tree, symbolizing the great shepherd and his sacrifice. And as he would give this candy cane out, he would go through every one of those points to those children. Just in the tree alone, we have these symbolisms. The tree, 
the, the, the lights, the ornaments, the popcorn, the star, the candy cane. But then came Satan's counterfeit. Down through the years, many have tried to associate the Christmas tree with pagan worship. Not too long ago, somebody came to our church and said, I can't believe you got a tree up. Don't you recognize the, the, you're, that you are celebrating paganism? I thought, you know what? You're ignorant. You don't know what you're talking about. Can somebody say amen? There was a group of people who worshiped nature, and they thought that December the 22nd was the first day of spring. And matter of fact, it was called the winter equinox. They celebrated by decorating the mistletoe with masks. The old Germans were extremely upset that decorating of the mistletoe was replaced by the Christian symbol, they said, of the Christmas tree. When the church declared December the 25th, the day to celebrate Christ, there was a distinction actually established. One house would have a decorated mistletoe representing that they worship nature on December the 26th, and the next house would have a lit tree on the inside worshiping Jesus Christ and his birth as the Son of God. There are three things I want us to observe here. First of all, the pagans have worshipped everything from trees to sun to moon to stars to water to vegetation. They've used spices. They've used herbs in their ceremonies. They've used eggs. They've used milk. They've used potatoes. And if we disassociate from pagan worship by avoidance, we couldn't do anything. Come on, somebody. Why is it that people will disassociate from a Christmas tree and cram it down your throat how bad you are and you don't know the pagan uh, understanding of the pagan worship of the Christmas tree, but they won't disassociate themselves from eating potatoes? I want to tell you, honey, there is nothing pagan about a potatoes in a hot skillet of grease. Can I have an Amen. In India, I want you to know a T-bone steak is someone's, uh, uh, someone's uh, family, our ancestor. I've ate a lot of cousins. I've ate a lot of brothers and sisters, I'll tell you, throughout the world. Amen? And I'm here to tell you that if you disassociate yourself with everything that pagans are used in worship, you as a Christian wouldn't be able to do anything. We got to remember who had it first. John 1, verse 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him, there was not anything made that was made. I like what Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. Can I tell you, the Bible tells us not only were all things created by him, but according to the word of God, they were created for him. Can I have an Amen. Why is it that we've allowed the devil to steal so many things away from the church just because it's been tainted or twisted or misused or has false information put out about it? It's time that we as a church rise up, reclaim what is rightfully ours. This has been done before and it can be done again. Christmas in our time to celebrate our holiday. It's our time to celebrate our holiday, our holy day in remembrance of Christ's birth. The beginning of the Christmas tree brought distinction. 
It did not unify the Christian and the pagan, but rather it separated them. One was pagan worship of nature. The other was a testimony that Jesus was born and still lives in the hearts and the lives of believers all around the world. Christianity became so widespread that it completely replaced the winter equinox just by using the symbol of the Christmas tree. House after house began to light up trees as a symbol that, that it was Christ that was born. The Messiah came into the world, Emmanuel, God with us. The people of that day made Christmas so much more victorious. They actually, through the symbolisms and witness, replaced, stomped out, and conquered the evil pagan of worship altogether. They no longer celebrate the decorating of the old mask. It has been completely wiped out by the the Christian symbol. Can you say amen? Praise the name of the Lord. They did not allow false information rob them of the trueness of their traditions and trends. They didn't stop them from them celebra celebrating and practicing their religious faith. A matter of fact, instead of the trends and the symbolisms falling off, they begin to actually intensify. We've heard all of the prominent, uh, all of us heard of the prominent figure, Santa Claus. How many's heard of Santa Claus? You got people wanting to bash him and tell people how, why in the world would you have Santa Claus in the church? We've had Santa Claus in the church. And we had a play one a few years back. And when we walked out, one man come up to me and he said, I want to tell you something, my friend. That was the most powerful thing until you had that pagan guy come in here. You ruin it all by having Santa Claus. I said, you don't know the origin of Santa Claus, nor do you know the origin of what we teach our children. And I just started preaching to him. And when he got done, he felt like an idiot. Can I have an amen? The notorious figure of Santa Claus himself even has a Christian origin. The name Santa Claus was given to a man by the, by, which had a nickname, uh, Old St. Nick, whose name was actually St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas of Myr, uh, Myra was a fourth century bishop of the early church. He went throughout Asia Minor giving gifts to orphans and the poor, which according to James 1 and 27 is pure and undefiled religion. He was known as the Bishop of Charity, and he was nicknamed O Saint Nick and later called Santa Claus. And he was distorted in the 1900s by an old man by the name of Clement Moore of New York City. O Saint Nick gave his entire life to the conversion of sinners and the care for the poor. And guess what else? He rode a sleigh, wore the fourth century antique bishop's robe, and the bishop's robe was red and it was white. It was used because the red represented the blood of Jesus Christ and the white represented the purity and holiness of Christ. Old St. Nick wrote, wore a long gray beard, it says, to protect himself from the cold, and he was known as a jolly old fat man that bounced and chuckled, uh, bounced when he laughed and chuckled. One of the stories documented about him was the story of a man who was going to sell his three daughters as slaves because he could not afford a dowry for them. They said that old St. Nick slipped into their house, placed gold nuggets in their stockings, which hang by the chimney to dry. And this is where the tradition of hanging stockings by the fireplace was introduced. The old Dutch saint lived in the winterous country of fur coats, and a drawn sleigh died in 345 A.D. And the teaching around his life and the legend that kept alive for years was that they taught children that because of the blood 
of Christ, gifts are given to men. His legend taught children that Christians are to be servants of Christ and to give their lives for his cause. So every time you see O St. Nicholas, it is a testimony to give your life as a servant to Jesus Christ and for his cause and his shedding blood gave free gifts to men and the greatest gift of all was the gift of salvation. Give the Lord praise. Other gifts would come on the scene, such as the decoration of holly. The French and the English Christians hung holly over the doors. As a symbol, this is a house where Christians live. The green holly was a symbol of life in the wintertime. The thorns symbolized the crown of thorns, and the red bead symbolizes the drops of blood. Many thought that holly was hung in the form of reefs, and it turned into a reef later, symbolizing the death of Christ, but it actually started out in the form of a crown. It was known as the crown of thorns that brought life, crowning men with salvation, honor, and dominion. Hanging, the out, hanging this outside on the doors was a symbol of Christianity. It was a sign that it was a Christian home. Then there came the tradition of putting candles in the window. I love this one. This began as a testimony of Jesus being the light of the world. It was used to light the way of the poor and to break up the darkness by inviting them on the inside. It was an invitation to the poor and the needy that the home was opened up to the hungry and the needy in, in the area. Matter of fact, when they would walk down the streets, they seen a Christian uh, symbol of the Christmas tree. They knew that was a Christian home. When they seen the reef, they seen or the crown of thorns of the decoration of holly. They knew it was a Christian home. When they seen all these different symbols, but if they went as far as to put candles in the window, it said this home is opening up to help you in any way that you need. And they would come to the door and walk in and find shelter and food and clothing and a place to sleep. That's what the lighting of the candle was all about. Can you imagine that? That one of you was the homeless and walking down the street and you seen that candle and you knew what it represented. Folks, a lot of us don't even know none of this stuff because we've allowed it to slip through our fingers. We've squandered it. Then there was the tradition of bells that was rung on Christmas Eve. All throughout history, bells were used as a warning sign. Christian, Christmas was warning the devil. All of the churches would ring their bells on Christmas Eve at midnight as a top of warfare against the devil. It was a reminder to him. It was a torment to him. It was a sign to the devil that the imminent birth of Jesus Christ was born, and through his birth, he would save the world from darkness. Everyone for miles could hear the testimony, and they understood its origin. Every night at midnight, they'd ring those bells, and for miles and miles and miles, everybody that heard it knew that it was a sound that Jesus Christ, it was pronouncing the birth of Jesus Christ that would save the world from their sins and darkness, and it was a torment to the devil. God help us. There are many other traditions, but because of time, we're not going to get into all of them. We'll get into just a few more. There's the tradition of gift giving that stems all the way back to the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh that was given to Christ by the wise men. There's also came the tradition of Christmas carols. The word carol comes from the Italian word kelare, and it was a type of joyous dance in Owitley. They would actually get out of the streets and dance and celebrate the birth of Christ. I mean, they, they have a, you're talking about a, 
They, they used to talk about a showdown or a hoedown in the barns. Well, I want to tell you, they had a showdown, all right. They get out there and they would dance. And they would magnify the Lord in dance and celebration with music. When we first started years ago, it's come to be more accepted now because we're breaking it. But when we started having our dancing up here on stage, there was a lot of churches, oh my goodness, they thought it was the most worldly thing that we've ever done in our lives. Let them think what they want to think. They're the ones that's getting cheated out of it. Do I have any witnesses in this house? It went way back dancing before the Lord. They would actually get in the streets. They would dance and celebrate the birth of Christ. And because of the joyness of the season, people begin to write lyrics about the birth of Jesus. This started what we know as caroling. It became a favorite testimony of neighboring shepherds going house to house, door to door, singing of the message of the birth of Jesus Christ. You want to hear some of the songs that come out of that? Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. I'm no better than Brother, Brother Bert Nelma. Amen. That Jesus Christ is. Amen. Then I'll go rest ye merry gentlemen, let all the world proclaim. And these are the type of songs that come out. of That was what was written. Silent night, away in the manger. And they would go out and they would carol. You don't even see caroling anymore. Amen. All of these traditions that I've spoken about and many more have a Christian origin. Christ is Christmas. And if we take Christ out, we don't have anything left. The trend of changing Christmas symbols is having an unprecedented effect on the present future generations. I feel sorry that the generations that have been left out and understanding. When we, when we, you know... A lot of times we'll sing Silent Night or we'll sing like uh, the Christmas song this morning and the younger generation has never really heard them or paid attention to them and it's kind of boring to them. I feel sorry for them because when I hear them, it moves me. Come on, somebody. Well, where they were birthed and what they mean and the message behind it. We have to bring these, some of these traditions back. Christmas is slowly losing its true meaning all over the country. Folks, could you imagine... How many people don't even celebrate Christmas at all anymore? The testimony of the Christmas tree is totally unrealized. Santa Claus, the bells, the candles, the holly, the gifts have all lost their original intent. No longer do we ring our bells. No longer do we light our candles. And sadly, many of us don't even light a tree in the house anymore. The lights are going out. The witness is disappearing. The testimony of Christ is being silenced because we're not teaching it. We're not training our children. What's the answer to the crisis? Do we stop associating ourselves with it because trends have taken us away from its original meaning? No. I say to you, it's never a time to give up, and it's never a time to say that, you know, it's over. It's just a tradition. I want to tell you, let's proclaim Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 14 through every Christian symbol that we can. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this is a sign unto you that you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I want to tell you we need to keep singing our songs. 
We need to keep lighting our candles. We need to keep hanging our lights. We need to keep putting up the Christmas tree. We need to hang the star. Can I have an amen? We need to put up our popcorn strings. Amen. Not too long ago, I was putting the popcorn strings up when Remy was little, and I was putting them around the tree, and I got to look, and I wasn't getting nowhere. She was eating them as fast as I was putting them around the tree. Amen. I said, honey, you're getting a hold of a bread of life. And I taught her about what that popcorn strand stood for. I want to tell you, and every time you see old St. Nick, I want you to congratulate him because his testimony is that he's a servant of Christ, teaching children to give their life to the fullness to his cause, and that Jesus Christ is the only true Savior of the world, and he's a man that gives free gifts unto people. Can I have an amen? Don't, don't, let, don't let people steal the Christmas traditions from you. Put them out there. That's why here at the palace during Christmas times, we want to keep it alive. We want to keep advancing it every year. I want to do certain things and I get cheated out of it for some reason or I'm too lazy or I'm not organized enough to get it done. I don't know. But I want to tell you, every year we hope to keep adding and adding and adding and that. You say, Brother Miller, we're working people to death now. Well, we just got to get new people involved. I tell you, when you come up on this hill in a few years from now, this thing's going to be lit up like a, a, like a sun itself. Well, there's going to be lights and manger scenes and you name it, it's going to be about, and when you come inside, everything in here is going to be about Christmas. Why? Because it's about Jesus Christ. We're going to keep the symbols alive. We're going to keep our traditions alive. We're going to know where we come from. We're going to know our heritage, and we're going to celebrate our heritage, for we are not ashamed to say Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? I know many of you have heard that. It gets boring if you heard it, but there's a lot of people that haven't. I don't know how many times more I'll preach this. Probably every three or four years I may preach it for the new people that come in. But this is why we do what we do. I'm tired of being bullied around by people and pushed around when they don't, when they're ignorant. They don't study of what, what the Christian symbolisms are. Amen. They wear a cross and it's okay, but you can't have a Christmas tree in the church. It's, it's ridiculous. Amen? Hallelujah. I challenge all of us. I know it takes a little bit of time. It ain't all about your money or what you can and cannot spend. It's the thought. If you, can, if you don't have the money to buy a tree, go out and cut one two or three foot tall down. Put it in the home. Put one strand of lights on it. It ain't about its beauty. It's just about the witness itself. If you think that the tree counts, ask Charlie Brown. Some of you will get that. Amen. Sing the songs of the season. One of my favorite songs is that old little town of Bethlehem. I can just sit and listen to that. And think about the miracle of that star. Think about the miracle of the travel and them finding the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Oh my goodness. I love I love the traditions. They're a part of who I am. They're a part of my DNA ever since I got born again. I'm not ashamed of them. Can I have an amen? This Christmas, would you help me do something? Keep Christmas alive. And everywhere you go, I purposely do it. I get it right in their face. Merry Christmas. And they'll say, Happy Holiday. And I say, Merry Christmas. 
there was one old gal in a checkout line, and she thought she was going to outdo me. I walked through and said, Merry Christmas. She said, no, happy holidays. I said, I said, Merry Christmas. She said, well, I said, happy holidays. I said, Merry Christmas. She said, I said, happy holidays. I said, Merry Christmas. Jesus Christ is Lord. You know what she done? Next. Don't cow down from the message. I'm sorry saying Merry Christmas offended her, but happy holidays offended me. I am not cowing down to this culture. Uh, may the Lord bless you this Christmas season. We will have church next Sunday morning, just at the 10:30 hour. We're giving our we got a lot of Sunday school teachers that may be traveling, and and then the night services. We all a lot of our staffs been working heavily through the play. We give them, and they take their vacation time at the end of the year here, so we kind of shut things down to try to give our families rest. But we will be here next Sunday morning at 10.30. Merry Christmas. We love you and all. Keep Christ alive in everything you do. In Jesus' name, God bless.